Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This, 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 is, 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 Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading this extra special podcast. On July the 8th, two of the best young super lightweights in Britain are going toe-to-toe. They're both undefeated. They're putting it all on the line. They could seriously wait until both of them are world champion and maybe amalgamate at some point later on in their career, but they're not going to wait. They're giving the fans exactly what the fans want, and you've got to take your hat off to both men for getting this fight done. I caught up with Josh Taylor for a little bit of a chat about, one, his boxing career, two, living away from Edinburgh and obviously enjoying the London lifestyle, and I gave him a little bit of a game show test all around fighter nicknames because, let's be honest, the Titan Tornado is one heck of a nickname. That's coming up at the end of the interview. First of all, here's your boy. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. We're on location. We've come down to uh, McGuigan's gym down here in Wandsworth to speak to the, uh, the Titan Tornado. Love a nickname, mate. Love it. Uh, just, <laughs> just Taylor's here. Just had a little bit of a sparring session. Um, getting all juiced up on the old protein there. Is it a good one, that one? Yeah, nice, uh, nice protein after after a, a good hard session. So You've opted for chocolate, mate. Why have you not gone for any strawberries or any just vanillas? The there, just the one that's there, so uh, I just take any one that's there. You're Beggar, not fussy? Uh, saying goes, beggars can be choosers. <laughs> not fussy at all. Um, just for those that are listening to this, in the background we've got a bit of a sparring session going on and I'm currently being licked by the uh, by the office dog. Which is a beautiful, beautiful dog. What's the dog's name? It's a uh, Titan. Titan, the wee gym mascot. So it is. Proper beast, that, isn't it? That's serious. But it's a. Uh, looks soft, but don't mess with it. Don't take oh, its food. He's, defi- he's a definitely softy. He's a big softy. So he's a great dog. It's a great wee dog. Um, right, mate, come on. We've got quite a lot to talk about. Um, we're obviously going to be talking about the upcoming O'Hara Davis fight. But first of all, just want to paint a little bit of a picture for our listeners that are not necessarily clued up on you and your amateur pedigree. I think we'll go to the Commonwealth Games there first, mate, shall we? We'll go yeah. to the Commonwealth Games, gold medalist. Yeah. What, was, what was better for you, winning a gold medal or winning in general at home? Because this was in Glasgow. Um, I'm not too sure. Winning the gold medal was was the ultimate goal um, of mine when I was going to Glasgow um, 2014. I got the silver in Delhi. Um, which I was bitterly disappointed about, and then I qualified for the Olympics. I went down to 60 kilos lightweight, which was really the wrong weight for me. It was really too. It was I lost all my strength and power and all that sort of stuff. And you needed some of that protein, son. That's what you needed. Yeah, a bit I was, of that. I need some of protein, yeah. So I was actually losing muscle to make the weight, and I just I underperformed at the Olympics. So that was a disappointing tournament. Um, and then I, I moved back up and weight, and I went to the Glasgow Commonwealth Games and I was determined to get a gold medal um, there was a bit of pressure on me well, a fair bit of pressure on me because I was a favourite to get the gold medal before I was even selected to go um, so I was like the flag sort of the face of Scottish boxing going into the games so um, there was pressure on me um, which was good I dealt with it 
brilliantly and you know I took all my strides and I thrive I thrive on pressure so it was, it was brilliant Off the back of um, you just mentioned there London 2012 because that's the first time I saw you because I was covering quite a lot of, of that um, at the XL and you mentioned that for yourself a disappointing tournament did you ever at that point think to yourself oh, I'm going to turn over and go pro now or was it always I'm going to stick on with the Commonwealth Games and try and get a, go a gold medal um, I want, I want, it was, I've always knew I was wanted to turn pro and, and then become a world, professional world champion that's always been a, a dream of mine um, but to do so and, and do well and get and get good back in and stuff, you need to do well as amateurs, you know. So I thought I'd give myself the best chance and, um, ma like maturity-wise and and, and development-wise, I didn't feel quite ready for the pros. So I decided to stay, um, and and go for the Commonwealth. Paid games. off. Paid off. Yeah, it paid off. Yeah, it definitely paid off. I decided to stay and develop a bit more, get more experience on the international scene, and um, it paid off. Yeah. You turned to boxing. I wouldn't say late, because 15's not late, but you turned to a different martial art first, didn't you? You were a Taekwondo black belt. Yeah, I was a black belt Taekwondo. Um, I did black belt uh, Taekwondo for 10 years. Um, so I knew the basics of how to throw punches and technique and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of had a, a head start when I got into boxing in terms of like not being a raw novice. I was a novice in boxing, but I knew how to fight anyway. So um, that was good. And the feet work and all that sort of stuff, the coordination, all that sort of stuff was already there. The base was already there. So I had a good a good start when I got into boxing, yeah. What made you What made you flip over? Was it just the, the ambitions of maybe taking this as a professional sport? Because let's be honest, it's a bit more lucrative in boxing than it is in, in, uh, in Taekwondo. No, I just... Um, I've just always been in, into boxing. I've always loved it. I always loved watching it. You know, um, a hero of mine's grown up. A local hero was Alec Arthur. So and, um, he trained at my mum's work at the Meadowbank Sports Centre. And I used to go down in the summer holidays and I used to get to watch him train him when he had fights coming up. And, and I started doing a wee bit of like, sparring with him when I was a wee kid. He used to take me in the ring and he used to show me how to do his stuff. And, and then I started getting into boxing. And after my first boxing class, at Meadowbank uh, Boxing Gym, I was addicted and I just says goodbye to Taekwondo and I took it for there. So I you could probably say Alec Arthur was my sort of inspiration and, and that's how I got, sort of got into boxing, yeah. Black belts are pretty high standard to get to, though. Do you ever, every now and again, like, I don't know, if Carl gets a bit lippy, do you, like, uh, stick a little bit on him? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't lift my legs above my hips anymore. You know, I couldn't kick anybody. I couldn't even kick Carl in the face, and that's 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 quite a low kick for me. <laughs> Your upcoming fight is uh, in Glasgow. You're an Edinburgh boy, yeah. What's the crack like between those two cities? Because I'm from the northwest of England. Um, there's always a bit of banter between Manchester and Liverpool. Is it similar? Is there a bit of crack between both cities? Yeah, definitely. It's it's it's, um, it's a good bit of banter between both cities, but there's no there's no bad blood. You know, it's um, it's all good. We're all we're all in love and we're all, all slag each other. You know, we're different accents and all that sort of stuff. So there's always a bit of banter with that. But no, it's all good. Um, I'm really looking forward to going back to Glasgow. Um, in Glasgow, the Commonwealth Games where I won the gold medal was was brilliant. You know, and then singing the Flower of Scotland on the top of that podium and. Glasgow, Glasgow took me in and embraced me, and it was it was brilliant. So um, I'm really looking forward to going back and and uh, and doing much more of the same and, and taking away this win on July 8th and and you know and, and partying in Glasgow and and having a good laugh with the Glasgow people. Yeah. Just before I get stuck into O'Hara, um, I notice you're a big Hibs fan. Yeah. We've got to bring a little bit of footy into this, seeing as that it's Talksport, mate, and a little bit of crack. Uh, you're a big Hibs fan, and I noticed that uh, you uh, had a little bit of a crack recently with uh, Ali McCoyst on the old Twitter. You know what I mean? Giving him a little bit of the old one-two, man, because they got a good idea, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too into the football much anymore. But I've got a lot of mates that are Rangers fans, 
you know, and um, obviously Alan McCoy is a big Rangers <laughs> man on the TV, and he couldn't he couldn't take the fact that Rangers had been beat, and he was bringing up excuses and this and that. So if I'm going to wind up my mates here on Twitter and um, and said all that sort of stuff. But it ended up going going mad, and a lot of people were going mad at me. So, but no, it was funny. It was just a wee bit of crack, just a wee bit of banter. Carry on. At least, at least the Celtic fans will turn out for you, won't they? At uh, in Glasgow, at, uh, on the on the new fight on the July the eighth, won't they? They'll be there. They'll be they'll, they'll be singing you now. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully they all turn up. You <laughs> know, sure hopefully, hopefully they all turn up. Um, you know, fo- football doesn't really interest me. I've only done that to to wind up my Rangers mates who get a bit passionate about it. So, yeah, it's just a wee bit of banter. Yeah. Good man. Um, speaking of social media and Twitter, what do you make of the way that uh, Mr. Davis uh, made this fight through social media? It wasn't really him. It was Eddie Hearn um, that done the thing that publicity stunt with the, the wages. Um, that was what got it all sort of. Did that get on your skin? Um, no, didn't get the masking at all. No, um, I don't think it should have done it, but it didn't didn't bother me. I was just like this. Just let's get on. I've wanted to fight Harrow Davis for ages, you know. Um, after the Dave Ryan, my Dave Ryan fight, mm-hmm. he started um, shouting me out and calling me names on social media and all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, and then I just responded and I says, "Let's go on," you know, because I think it's a fight that I can win absolutely no problem, and I'm a, I'm a hundred hundred percent. And fully confident in winning this fight, so I had no problems getting it, getting it sorted at all. For, from my point of view, and a lot of uh, fight fans' point of view, it's a crack of this. Mainly because you don't necessarily get quite a lot of young British undefeated prospects fighting each other at this stage of their career. They normally wait for something a little bit more uh, lucrative on the line a little bit later on yeah. down the line. So I'll take my hat off to you, mate, for just going, well, let's do this, because it's unheard of. And do you think, because your division, especially in this country, there's a lot of good lads in there. There's yourself, obviously O'Hara's knocking about, you've got Robbie Davis Jr., Jack Catterall, all these kids. I mean, this could be, the whole world division could be decided on these shows. Yeah, yeah, this, um, it's, a, it's a hot division. It's heating up, there's, like you said, the names there are, are heating up, you know, so... I'd, I'd, I'm not scared to fight any of them. I'm, I'd fight any of them tomorrow. Um, I'm, a, I'm a boxer, I'm a fighter, and so I would fight anybody. And I also believe in my own ability. So why not? You're going to have to fight them at some stage. So why not just get it done now? We forgot to mention, we forgot to mention Ricky's name there. He'll be, he'll be phoning us up, giving us a little bit of abuse. But Mr Burns as well, he's also knocking about there. A fellow countryman of yours. Yeah, he's at, he's at the top of his game as well. That's another fighter there It could be interesting. Um, but me and myself and I'll sort of Scottish showdown, you know, that could be that could be a great fight as well for me after after Harry Davis. You never know. So yeah, it's good, it's heating up. I'm I'm ready to fight them all. Off the back of off the back of this, what do you see happening? Because you look at world rankings, I mean you're flying at this moment in time as Commonwealth champ. You look at this uh, there's a WBC uh, silver on this, is, is there? Oh, yeah. Um, that automatically gets you then a ranking, mate. You'll be in, you'll be in, and, uh, in the mix. There's two kids that have got all the belts in your uh, weight division. You'd imagine that they'd at some point maybe um, unify that division, and then maybe Terence might clear off up, which then provides opportunities for yourself to maybe make that world dream come uh, a little bit sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but at the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to jump into too early as well you know this is only my 10th professional fight let's have it man come on yeah. come on the Scottish Lomachenko what's up with you boy what's up with you yeah, you know I'd love to but at the same time once you're at that world level yeah. you're, you're, you're there there's no turning back you're at the top level and fighting there's all hard fights for then on in there's no more learning fights there's no more doing your apprenticeship sort of thing so but you know if it comes it comes but I wouldn't want to jump in too early you know what I mean um, when I'm in this fight on July 8th um, steady on and take it as it comes you know 
get the big domestic fights out of the way, prove I'm the best in Britain first. You know, I'd like to do that, prove I'm the best in Britain, fight for that Lonsdale belt. I'd love that. I'd love to get my hands on that. It's a bonny thing, isn't it? You want one of them on your mantelpiece, don't you? Oh yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to win that um, Lonsdale belt. I think it's a really prestigious belt. It's one of the best looking belts in the world, I think. Um, so I'd love to fight for that Lonsdale belt and maybe even keep it out writing. So, like you said, go on the mantelpiece. Or, or when you're on holiday, you could always wear it, couldn't you? Are you a Eubank Junior type character? Would you wear it out whilst you've got the shorts on? Uh, that's that's on the Harrow Davis would do. He goes out to the nightclubs with his belts and his sunshades on. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so no, that's stuff I'd rather do. I would just like, keep it at home and I'd be, uh, be proud to place. My, my Commonwealth belt is actually still in the, uh, still in the case uh, in my room, up in the room, hide away. They're, they're for when you've got grandkids, less on down the line, yes. to pull them out and have a little bit of a chat there, mate. You just talked about learning, you talked about um, experience and things like that. Was that the reason why you decided, when you did turn pro, to come here to, to McGuigan's gym? Because you look at this stable, I mean, obviously Shane's in there at this moment in time holding, uh, holding the pads and what have you. We've just uh, seen Carl walking out the door, you've got some prestigious lads already here. Was that one of the reasons, not to mention the man that runs the gaff, uh, the, the boss man, his career must have been inspiring for you as well to say, he's the man to guide me. Yeah, well, I, I knew that, I knew that McGuigan's, um, before I even got the phone call from them, I knew that McGuigan's was the one I wanted to go with. Um, and I knew if I had to, if I was going to get any chance to go with McGuigan's or anything, I had to do well in the Commonwealth Games and perform well. And I did, you know, myself and my father were back home and we were deciding who we would like to go pro with. And we were like, I'd love to go with the McGuigan's, but obviously I never had any contact details or anybody. And um, it was quite a funny story, but like, it'd be great to go with them going it's a small concentrated camp you know yeah. you get the time that you need the job Shane and Barry have done with Carl has been unbelievable so we were on the train on the way down to the boxers writers dinner and uh, me and my dad and my phone goes and it was uh, like a withheld number and I, I don't like phone like answering withheld numbers and he's like who's that I was like, I don't know he's like answer it you never know who's going to be so I was okay so I got up went through the next scene carriage and answered the phone Hi Josh, it's Barry McGuigan here. It was Barry McGuigan on the phone, I couldn't believe it. I was just gobsmacked. And, uh, do you know something? When I, when I arrange interviews with the likes of yourself and I have to speak to Barry, yeah. I do get a little bit of a tremble. It's like, yeah. I'm speaking to Barry McGuigan. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it was weird. It was, it was, it's, hello Josh, it's Barry McGuigan here. My, my face just sort of dropped. I was like, wow. Um, I'd like to speak to you um, about turning professional. I'd like you going to the Boxing Writers Dinner tonight. I said, yes, I'll see you there. And that's how and that's how it happened. And I went back through to my dad in the train. He was like, "Who's that?" And a big smile on my face. You know, I was Barry McGregor on the phone. And he just phoned to see about turning pro. But, and I knew then that was a that was a move I was going to make. Your dad must have been buzzing. What was his reaction like? Yeah, he was buzzing. He was he was <laughs> cheesing. My dad's a, my dad's a pretty cool character, laid back, and doesn't show much his emotions. But he was like, "Oh, like." Brilliant, you know. Sorry, my foot. Sorry for swearing. Eh? Uh, it was like, oh, it's brilliant. That's uh, that's, a brilliant, that's amazing, you know. And then, so we went down with big smiles on our face. Mate, unbelievable. Um, off the back of then turning pro here, learning your craft here and what have you. How important is because I've not like your aspirations of going out to the states and doing it in Vegas and all this type of stuff. You're watching Carl's um, momentum now as he's building it up out there and doing extremely well. You've obviously been on the undercard of his fight out in Vegas. That. What, how do you look at that now? All right, it was early on in the night. There wasn't, it wasn't a full stadium or anything like that uh, out in Vegas. But you must look at that now, and it must have given you a taste to go, fancy a bit of this, this is a bit of all right. Definitely, but massive, massive, massive gives me massive motivation, you know. When I boxed, there was about 10 people in. Well, it felt like there was about 10 people in the hall. There was a few people in, but because it was so big, it was felt 
there's about 10 people in. Uh, <laughs> but no, just um, in the main event and being beside Carwin and amongst it and involved in it all in the big massive show. It just, uh, I was just watching him, how he handles it, how he handles the media and all that sort of stuff. Gives me, gives me good, gives, puts me in good stead, you know, to, to be you, you, went, you went out for the, you were out there for a period of time, weren't you? Yeah, a month, a full month. Uh, so yeah, it was brilliant. And I just, seeing his face on the billboard of the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, just gives me massive motivation, you know, and uh, if he can do it, I can do it sort of thing, you know, if I just apply myself the way he has done and, and listen to Shane and Barry, and, uh, there's no reason why I can't get there. No, absolutely, mate. How do you find your Scottish boy, Edinburgh? How do you find out? How do you find living down in uh, in London? How, how did you work? How did your week normally pan out? Do you stay down here for a long period of time? Are you here permanently? Or do you go back? How does it all work? I like it. You know, I like it down here. It's a it's a cracking big city. It's always buzzing. There's always something to do. You know, it doesn't matter what time at night is. If you're having a crap night's sleep or whatever, you can get up and go a walk. There's always people about and stuff to do. It's always it's brilliant. It's a beautiful big city. Um, I'll go back to Edinburgh, it feels like I'm in a village, you know, it's... it's Get out, Edinburgh's a beautiful place, man. You've got a, ca- you've got a castle in the middle of the gap. It goes, to, it goes to sleep, you know, it goes to, it's this place just never goes to sleep, it's always buzzing. Um, but no, it's good, I'm, I'm usually down here for about um, 10 days at a time, I'll go home every second weekend to see the family and cool. all that sort of stuff. But no, it's good, I really enjoy it, I feel getting away from home, um, all my friends and family gives me that extra bit of tunnel vision and training and just focusing on the job ahead, which is which is brilliant. I really love it. You mentioned earlier on about... Well, we mentioned a couple of the lads that are here and, and, and working and what have you. Um, it does... It, do you know something? It feels really weird. It feels a little bit like a family. Like it's like a little bit of a family. I know it's obviously the McGuigan family business, but even the lads, the surrogate uh, sons, I suppose, you could class it as. Do, do you feel like that whilst you're here? Definitely, yeah. We're all, we're all really close. You know, myself, Conrad, have... Um, when I first come down, myself and Conrad just clicked straight away. We were like best of buddies. Yeah, he's nuts. Yeah, we're best of brothers. Scottish and Irish are the same kind of people, you know, same banter, same crack. Um, but no, we're all very close. Myself, Jake, Shane, Barry, we're all, we're all very close knit. And you know, when if I'm feeling down and a bit crap some days, and or something's bothering me, which is great. Yeah, stuff. if I'm feeling down crap or something's bothering me, or you know, things back home or anything like that, I, I can speak to all the lads, or I can go speak to Jake and go speak to Barry. And, and tell them how we're feeling, or you know, it's it's brilliant. It's um, it's, it's, it's it feels like a little family, yeah. Unbelievable, mate. Now listen, I heard a little story um, about that scar on your mush, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're laughing already. You're laughing already. So I'm not gonna say anything. I, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I don't want you to say that. Listen, I got jumps in there, and I took ten lads on, and I Bruce Lee them all. Yeah. I want you to tell me the truth, right? For our listeners that are listening to this right now. They will, they will have seen you, they will have seen you fight. They said, oh, he's got a little bit of a nasty one on the side of his mush there. How's that happened? Go on, lad. Yeah, everybody thinks it's the worst than those you know, because I'm Scottish, and you know, everybody thinks, oh, I've been, I've been, somebody's attacked me with a knife or something. Yeah. But that's not the case at all. I was out, uh, I was at golfing with my cousin. It was actually a girl as well. Um, I was teaching her how to play golf, and um, because I was a very good golfer when I was a kid, um, I was teaching her how to play golf, and I was standing right behind her, showing her how to swing the club. And... Um, it wasn't the backswing, it was actually the follow through. So she's missed the ball and, and skilped my face and uh, it smashed my jaw in about 13 places. It, it was messy, didn't it? It made a mess. Really bad, really bad. I had to go in and have plastic surgery and I was in I was in hospital for a long time and feeding out a straw for about six months. You know, I was all wired up and I smashed my jaw in 13 places. So I had plastic surgery in my face. My face was in a bad way for a, for a long time, yeah. Did you go down? I never went down. You could take a shot, man. You could take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all I know. I could take a shot. You know, like I didn't go down. I was uh, 
Do you know that's, that's that's feeling when you get slapped in the lug, when you get slapped in the ear, and you just hear the bzzz. That's what it was like times a thousand. I just went deaf with the buzzing in my ear. And, uh, Thing is, when you're in the ring, when the, when you're in the ring, you're, you're waiting for shots. You're, you're anticipating shots. This has come totally out of the blue. She's trying to hit a golf ball, man. Straight, straight, out, straight out the blue, both. Uh, it was, a, it was a peach. Um, <laughs> but she feels, she feels bad to the, about this, to, about it this to this day. You know, we we'll have a bit of crack about it now. That's <laughs> a claim to fame. You become world champion. You go, sparked him with a golf club. I my golf one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen. Before, I've got a test for you in a minute, right? And it's all based around nicknames because obviously you've got the, uh, the Titan Tornado, top name, right? But I just want to talk about, um, we mentioned Crawford and Indongo, legitimate world champions uh, in your weight category. What do you make of uh, Brona Garcia um, at 140 as well? Oh, I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting fight. Um, Broner's really slick and, you know, hard to hit and very reactive fighter. And Garcia just seems to be plowing through everybody at the moment since he's come back he's just doing a demolition job on everybody so um, it's a really interesting one but um, I think maybe Garcia comes out on top on that one maybe even maybe even uh, stops Broner I think the majority of casual boxing fans would love that my friend I think uh, because of his brash nature they want to see another Mardana uh, type performance yeah. don't they where he's dangling through the ropes yeah maybe possibly but no I think it I think it might be quite tricky for a few rounds and then I think maybe Garcia might stop him late, late on, like mid to late on in the, in the fight. But you never know; it could go completely the other way. It yeah, it could do. You know, read Broner and Broner just might dazzle him. You never know. Interesting to see what his attitude's at, isn't it? I think he's he's messed them up for a period of time. We forget that he's a four-weight world champ, don't we? Yeah. And when he used to take it seriously, he was very, very good. He's messed about weight, missing weight, and stuff like that. If he's serious and he's on, he's on point, like you say, it could be. Yeah. An absolute cracker. He could totally be too sharp for Mikey Garcia. Might have a bit too much movement and a bit too much reactions and speed for him. You never know. It could go that way as well. But um, I'd, I'd like to see Garcia win. I'd like to see Garcia win. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the smile on his face. Everybody in the boxing world wants to see Mikey Garcia win it. Anyway, mate, much appreciated for that little chat. I've got a test for you now, just to finish this off. All right, pal. I'm a very <laughs> mate, you'll you'll breeze this because it's it's all boxing related. All right. I know you're a student of the game. And it's all based on nicknames of fighters. Yeah. All right? Okay. You're looking, don't look nervous, my friend. You'll, you'll cruise this. You'll... Well, you cruise it. Well, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the nickname. You give me the fighter. All right? There's 10 here, son. There's 10. Come on. Here we go. The Titan Tornado. Here he goes. The Executioner. That's Bernard Hopkins, isn't it? Look, look at the face now, man. Look at the face now. You're flying now, sunshine. Here we go. Okay, number two. Hands of Stone. Hands of Stone, that was Roberto Duran. Two out of two, eh? Look at this. If there were a GCSE in this, we'd be flying, won't we? <laughs> right. Now, there's two answers for this. I'm going to give you a point each for both answers, all right? Hitman. Hatton. One. And Helms. <laughs> you would see no need, no need to be nervous, you're flying here now. This is a little bit different now. See if you know this one. Sweet P. Um, Pernod Whitaker. God, you're good, mate. You're good, you're flying. This is obvious. Golden Boy. Estella Hoya, yeah. I'll be surprised. Right, let's see if you know this one, right? We're going we're gonna to make this a little bit more difficult. Here we go. The Eastern Assassin. The Eastern Assassin. Eastern Assassin. Oh. I don't know. I guess that's some kind of... Nah, don't know that one. All right, we'll come back to it. Well, that's it. That's why it's throwing you a little bit. We'll come back to it, right? Real deal? 
The real deal. Oh, I don't know that one either. Evander Holyfield. I thought you'd know that. I thought you'd know that. What about Big Daddy? Steve Burns. <laughs> <laughs> He'll love that. He will love that. Uh, no, I don't know that one either. Big Daddy, no. Riddick Ball. Big Daddy, Riddick Ball. Uh, the Babyface Assassin. Oh, that's Pereira. Super, mate. Nailed it. And you're not, if you get this wrong, right, I'm telling him that you got it wrong. Clone Cycle. That's it. That's Buzz, yeah. Okay, right. Okay, then. All right, then. The Eastern Assassin was Larry Holmes. Thro throws everybody that. Throws everybody a bit, that, mate. Seven out of ten solid. That's a good performance, man. Seven out of ten's good. Josh, you top, man. Hey, thanks very much. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed that. I most certainly enjoyed making it. He's a top fella and we wish him all the best on July the 8th and for the future of his career. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, our award-winning podcast. It is officially the best sports podcast in the UK. Fightdisciples.com is the website where you can get us. You're also available uh, on iTunes as well. And we're on all social medias, at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. There's some extra special shows for you this week. I also managed to get to speak to Carl Frampton whilst I was down at McGuigan's gym. If you haven't heard that yet, go to our website. It's there for you. You can have a little bit of a download. And O'Hara Davis fans, don't worry, we're not being biased. We managed to catch up with the man himself. O'Hara Davis is also uh, on our website as well, fightdisciples.com. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.